0: So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan oh. again. And Larkham. kefu
1: And here we are back with the Running Rugby podcast with our wrap-up episode for Super Rugby AU. That's it. It's over. One last game down there in Canberra at GIO Stadium. We saw uh, Brumbies coming off that bye week. They looked hungry and a Reds team that maybe, maybe a little bit too nervous being on the big stage here. Um, it was a closer game, closer than it seemed watching it at times. But we have to congratulate the Brumbies, our Super Rugby AU champions.
2: Yeah, the Brumbies came out super strong in this one, uh, particularly early on in the game. They they just blew the Reds off the park. They they played their steady game, but they, they were quite aggressive in attack. And the Reds just had this this nervous, almost overhyped energy. They, they clearly had a lot of build-up through the week. Their social media was overrun with supportive... Uh, grams and, and messages from various clubs around Queensland. Everyone was right behind them, and you know that's really, really positive. I thought that was a really good little package from their social media. Um, but you just feel like a, there was a lot going on uh, for them. Like they reportedly they trained pretty hard as well. Uh, they had the extra game, obviously Brumbies fresh after two weeks off. Sorry, two weeks of, of preparation, and yeah, they they just had some uncharacteristic. Uh, errors and ill-discipline early on Stuff that we thought they'd eliminated from their game It just let them down early on They couldn't get any any grip on the game In the first 10-15 And the Brumbies just made them pay And, and they, like you said, Archer, it, it felt like It was more Brumbies in this game for a lot of The 80 minutes, uh, the Reds did well To hang in there, but they were just, they were just Maybe a bit uh, Overawed by the occasion, I think
0: it doesn't take much though. If you're a couple of percentage off, you know whether that be through fatigue or, or whatever, um, you know at this level, you'll pay for that. And you're right that they, they were they stayed in the game at least, and the margin in the end was only five points. So, you know it is a credit to this young team. Um, I think they'll be better for it next year. And I think we wouldn't be too hard pressed to say maybe they'd be the favourites for for next season if it was still the same format. So I think overall, you know I've been proud of the Reds' effort. I think, you know, it's hard to win in Canberra. We know that. And I think the Brumbies are just so well-prepared. They're the best. They have the best system, I think, in Australia in terms of a franchise here. And the Reds not far behind. I think they've come a long way in the last three years. Um, and that investment by Brad Thorne has really paid off. So I think that's something we need to recognise because they were a long way off three years ago, two years ago even. Mm-hmm. Um, they were taking on plenty of losses, and that's really turned around now. I, I think... It's such a credit to Australian rugby that the Reds have been able to do that, and I think that it's really going to benefit the Wallabies with a lot of these young players um <clears throat> but yeah, I just think it was probably a year too early for them,
1: speaking of young players, the Brumbies made the bold call to bring Noah Lalessio back into the starting lineup after almost six seven week absence, um but he slotted straight back in and. He didn't take a backward step in this game. He set up a couple of tries and earned himself the MVP overall in the game as well.
2: Yeah, he was this- great. Like, straight off the bat, um, didn't look like he'd lost anything from his time off. Uh, again, probably being very close in training and, and uh, recovery from his injury, uh, just slotted straight back in there and looked much more threatening than Bailey Quinzel has at any point in the last six weeks. Um, like serviceable replacement and the sort of guy you love having on board to make sure, you, you know, you can you can carry some of the load in the other players on your team. But they just look much more dynamic with Noah. And, and he, thankfully, he looked really fit. Like he didn't look like he was having to hold back at all. He looked like he was fully fit running around. And, and that's a great sign when he gets in the Wallaby squad. Yeah, I
0: was going to say, like, he didn't have any sort of hesitation. He was firing passes. His kicks looked like he was striking everything perfectly. Um, and I think that's, again, a credit to the Brumbies. They held him back a little bit maybe. Maybe he could have gone a couple of weeks ago, but they wanted to get him exactly right, and it paid off here.
2: And they had that luxury because Bailey Quenzel was a serviceable replacement. Like, you imagine if he'd come in and been just floundering and, and they'd been potentially losing a game here or there more than they did? Um, there would have been a lot more pressure to bring Noah back. But when you've got that depth, you can afford to just continue in your system uh, and give the guys proper opportunity to recover, which in the long term is such a boost.
0: And that's reminiscent of the Crusaders model again, where if you have an injury to, say, back in the day, Dan Carter, Tylen Blendenoir would come in, or you know more recently, Moanga, and then you'd have Mitch Hunt for a period there filling in. And that, that really works well. There's they train to that system. They know the system so well. And even if you're pretty inexperienced, you can come mm-hmm. in and play with confidence. And that's what Bailey Kunzel did. And I think he was quite impressive on his own merits. Like I think he probably outperformed expectations a yeah. little bit too. Um so yeah, there's some talent there at ten and I think Lalesio, like, I thought it was a risk bringing him in. I thought maybe he's a bit undercooked in terms of in terms of match fitness, but didn't seem to impact him at all, and that makes me think maybe he is ready for a Wallaby's berth. If um, you know, if they're not prepared to put Jock there at ten straight off, um, you know, maybe you take a bit of a risk with Lollis there. Maybe he showed now that he's he's ready to step up.
1: I think it started with the Brumbies forward pack in this game. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago they were getting a bit dominated by a Reds pack that seemed more physical, more aggressive, and they really turned it around on them. They still did concede some scrum penalties, but physically around the ruck, they were hitting the Reds, they were driving them back. Um, Men like the, like people like Alan Alatoa and Caden Neville really leading from the front. And then in the lineouts, uh, they were disrupting, stealing balls, they are forcing Brandon Pianga-Rosa to make a few errant throws with Samu and Neville getting up there and pinching a few. And I think it's got to be a lot of credit to the Brumbies forwards, like we always talk about the backs, but... A lot of the difference was Lalesio was on the front foot for a lot of this game, and it really showed for him to unleash like his centres and his wings. And you talk about, like, Array Simone, we've been hiving up. Tavita Kruindrani, fresh off the fact that he's not been named in the Wallabies, he really stood up and seemed very physical and dangerous in this game. He was always breaking tackles, always making metres. Looked like he had a point to prove.
0: Yeah, and I think he did, and I think he he may have... You know, opened Rennie's eyes a little bit back to what TK can actually do. Um, thought he was great. And another thing I want to touch on, I think McCaffrey was interesting. They started McCaffrey at six over mm.
1: Um
0: Particularly against a quite a, as you just said, Arch, a physical Reds pack. Um, and you'd think Valentini's maybe the more physical player. But McCaffrey played 90 minutes in this. And he's barely done that all year since the restart at least. 90 um, minutes? Put in the extra 10 so- Sorry, Play 110%, man. Come on, That's... football time here. Too much time in England.
2: Kurindrani, I think, had, like, this was a big game for him. Obviously, he wanted to prove Rennie was um, maybe uh, making a mistake, not including him in the squad. Were you guys aware this is his final game for the Brumbies and he is signed with the Western Force for next year? What? Who? This is news today. Kurindrani, Tavita Kurindrani, will depart the Brumbies to join the Western Force for 2021. Oh, no. So there you go. So
0: that's a huge signing for the force. But I mean, those indications are, and we've seen a couple of signings for the force now. Maybe they've given, you know, the green light for next year to be included, whether that's in a Trans Tasman competition or just as we know it with five teams in this AU system. Because you can't see like players, high profile players signing with that team unless they're assured something, some sort of competition to play in for next year.
2: Yeah, you, it seems like Rugby Australia has, um, you know, placed its flag and said we are we're going to include our five teams, which is really, you know, that's really positive. That's rewarding the Force for everything they put in this season, playing away from home, and um, you know, being being competitive in a lot of these games, even though they didn't get a win. And like we saw, Kyle Godwin, who I thought had already signed for the Waratahs, obviously not paying enough attention, he has signed with the Force. Ian Pryor, another couple of years with the Force. Now, TK, we find out, is signing with the force. Like, these are, these are real players. Well? Like, and Tom yeah, Robinson as well. And Tom Robinson, that's right. Well, there's so, your you know, combo right bringing, there. They're bringing, they're bringing Wallabies Krundrani. in. Yeah. They're bringing Wallabies into the fold. Guys, however, guys not making the, the super rugby, sorry, the Wallabies cut, interestingly. But, um, yeah, like, that's that's an interesting sign. It sort of uh, foreshadows maybe what 2021 has in store.
0: Mm-hmm. I could I could see it making sense with TK in some respects, given um, Ik- Ikitao, is that how you pronounce Ikitao. it? He's been selected in the Wallabies. Um, he's seen as a uh, potential, you know, long-term thirteen. So TK is really taking away from his playing time, and maybe they're ready now to make that transition to a younger player in the centres after what is it? Nearly ten years of service by TK has yeah. been a real stalwart at that club.
2: Yeah, 2012 as a winger, overlooked
0: Um, elsewhere. One of my favourites as well. I mean, I wish him well. I hope he still sticks around in Australian rugby for the next few years because I think he still has a lot to offer. Um, He's had a few of these um, situations where he hasn't been selected before and he's made his way back into the team, so I have no doubt he can do it again.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because I feel like we may not even have seen the last of him for 2020. Um, going to the red side, and they did cop a few injuries in this one. It was, starting off the game, a few drop balls, a few uncharacteristic errors, a few high tackles, um, which we'd seen sort of disappear from their game for a couple of weeks after uh, um, previously being a problem for some of their players. Dalgunu getting a yellow card. And yeah, Salakai Lotu going off with a concussion, not returning to this game. And maybe even more worrying, Jordan Patea. Um, looked very dynamic in the first half and was looking set to score a try for the Reds when he just pulled up a little bit, saw you saw him grab sort of these hip flexor before he had the presence of mind to still flip the ball out to Harry Wilson to still guarantee the try, but he tried to finish off the half but then didn't return after half time and the The latest news is that 's a hip flexor injury, and he 's going to be out three to six weeks. Um, so, you've got to think that that means he's not going to New Zealand, which might open the door for TK to rejoin the squad.
2: Yeah, that's really unfortunate. P- Patea has proven, we'll talk about him again a bit later, but he's proven to be such a talented attacking player, so dynamic. He's just the way he moves, um, you know, running his lines and, and stepping around players. Like, he's just got that um, natural ability, that elusive ability. Um, like movement, and it's like his body can't keep up with what he's trying to do, and just he seems to have these little injuries that just that just limit him. Um, it's such a shame because he's he's just looked so good as on his comeback trail, um, and you know it's really it's 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 comforting to see that when he when he realised he he'd done something he he was sort of pulled up and, and had a presence of mind still off low and Reds. Moving forward, like didn't didn't just go to ground, like yeah. I, I guess didn't injure it so badly, didn't just collapse. But um, you know, that's that's the sort of player he is. Like he's very conscious of that now. He looks like he's very aware of his limitations and potentially of his injuries. Let's hope he can play with the freedom of full fitness sometime soon.
0: But I think on the on the run that he actually did that injury, like he was absolutely you know
2: explosive, throwing himself man.
0: into contact. Yeah, yeah, just explosive and almost. You know over the top in some ways it looked like what is this guy doing but he's just so powerful through contact um and he he did it late i think he after the, almost when he passed he he did it and went down it is a worry i mean we've seen this with Ulysses. there's certain players that are just injury prone and it happens every season um which is a real shame because it's a guy that obviously as a prospect you want him to to get the game time otherwise you just every every year there's that hype and then You know, he's about to deliver on it and then he goes down again. And that really is difficult for a player to to maintain confidence and just motivation if you're just continually getting injuries. So, I mean, hopefully it's not too serious and we see him again soon. But, yeah, it's just, it is very difficult to watch when it's a guy who's been seen as a long-term option at, at 13 or on the wing and we're just not seeing enough of him in the Wallabies colours.
1: Who were the biggest sort of letdown performances for yourself in the in the Reds? I think a lot of the pack. I already mentioned that um, BPA had a bit of a down game, just particularly with the line-out throwing, which he was getting roasted by commentators um, early on in this game for that. And a few people like Harry Wilson, not quite as involved and dynamic as we've seen him in the recent parts of the season. And whether that's just down to the... the Grumby's forwards shutting him down; those people like like Samu and McCaffrey, as we mentioned before, um, stopping sort of any momentum for him. I think we've I seen think that in the last
0: few weeks, though, haven't we? It's he slowed down a bit. He's just not getting as many, you know, dominant carries as he was earlier in the year.
2: Yeah, I think that comes off the like the the forwards play the the momentum the gain line um, conversion for for the forwards like they're. Starting at the set piece, you got BPA throwing. Probably not throwing. Every throw was, like, wasn't like was that poor, but the Brumbies were contesting everything. That obviously identified the Reds' line out as a weakness, uh, whether they thought they could tell where the Reds were going to put their man up because they got up in front multiple times when they made those deals. That wasn't just a bad throw that went straight to the Brumbies. That was someone like Neville or... Um, one of the other brumbies, cause of getting up and, and knocking it back their way. So, um, I think they probably just had that figured out. And then I think the the move to play Will Miller and McCaffrey really disrupted the rucks for the Reds, which meant slow ball. Uh, they already had a lot of nervous energy. The running lines weren't well timed. Like we didn't have Harry Wilson getting that, you know, crash ball with you know two to three meters to contact to take the ball and really, you know like lean into the contact and, and bust through. Um, there were very few offloads for the Reds, like except when people like Dalgunu were breaking out and throwing insane, like dummy offloads, one hand reaching the ball out and bringing it back in. Like the forwards just didn't have um, anywhere near the dominance that they showed two weeks prior. So, the you know, we the Brummies even were contesting lineouts on their – on the. On the line where the Reds were going to try and maul it, the Brumbies were throwing guys up. The Reds were never doing that. The Reds were there, all feet on the ground, making sure they, um, you know, strengthen up for the for the maul that they knew was coming. So, between the line out and then and then just that disrupted ruck, I just don't think they got the momentum, um, and that just flowed into sort of loose passing and and disjointed backline movements. How good was Deigunu's off? Like not offload, offload. Oh yeah, like that was oh, insane I'm glad you to reminded me. me of this. Like he literally, he 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 was getting tackled, and he's and he's thrown the ball with one hand, like the sort of wrap, no, like hand the over the ball. Yeah, yeah, out, turned it out the back and just completely stood up Muirhead, who who was just left for dead. And then he's gone on past Muirhead, being tackled, and still managed to throw that same offload, but actually release the ball. Like the guy must have decent sized hands. Because there's no way you're palming a ball with that much force and, and keeping it in control unless you've got a good grab on it.
0: I get the sense we're only seeing the start of what Dalgunu can do. Um, I think as he learns the game a bit better and he's, he harnesses what he can, he, the skills he can offer, I think you're going to see more plays like this because in the past we've just seen him as a bit of a flyer, a guy that finishes tries down the wing. But this year, particularly, he's been injecting himself through the middle more, um, probably just learning off the things that Marika does so well, as, uh, who's who's someone who has a very similar game as we talked about. So I think he offers a lot. Um, I think he's probably got to work on his kicking a little bit. If we're going to be ser- selecting Marika on one wing and him on the other, I think it, the onus is almost on him to have a little bit more of a diverse game. Um, and I think he can do that. So good to see i think he's only going to get better particularly going to Wallaby's system which he hasn't done before and he's just a bit of a freak like he just has these plays in him that certain players have marika has it as well and i think we're picking quite a few guys within the wallaby squad that have that kind of x factor to them um tom Wright's another one tom banks yeah, and james ram these guys as well. all have it yeah so excellent to see um and he's just really stood up. This looks like he doesn't have any sort of question over his ability. He looks confident um and he's willing to try things.
2: Yeah, definitely playing with confidence, feeling like, you know, he can he can try things like that without um the fear of, you know, being being dropped, being benched the following week, like you 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 pull some moves like that and, and knock the ball on because you can't actually execute well enough. When you're when you're not confident in your position in the starting team, when the coach isn't giving you the signal, you know, go your hardest, try everything. You're going to be there next week, even if you, even if you miss a few. Like that's that's not the sort of thing you try. So he's obviously very confident now. Um, I hate to say there's there's two things the commentators have said in this coverage of Super Rugby AU that seem to have rung true. Um, and and I have to give them credit for. It. And one of those was you know seeing seeing Dalgunu as a potential wallaby. I honestly didn't see it at the start of the season, but he has absolutely shown that out uh, over the season. And the other thing which I thought um, was very true, and it's you know it's been said many times before uh, to a to a team who's been been uh, maybe achieving for the first time the real heights and and getting into the finals of footy, but to for the Reds to lose a game, to lose a final before they can win one, I think it's it's another learning experience for this young team. And I think it's a necessary one. Like, it's so hard, like we said, to go to Canberra, be the underdog uh, in a final, you know, extra game through the week. Like, that's that's really tough. And, and they've been, they appeared overawed by their build-up, but they'll be so much better. And next time, if they have to do this again, they'll know exactly what they need to focus on They'll they'll be able to cut out the noise. and I mean, it was already a really competitive and really entertaining game. So um, just more more experience for the Reds, this young side. They're going to be great for a long time.
1: Do you agree with uh, sort of a lot of rugby media sort of saying that the Brumbies have broken their super rugby title drought with this sort of win and saying that no. they've broken the drought since, yeah, for sort of 16 years? This is...
0: This is a different competition. It starts from now. It's not you can't compare it to the broader competition and say, Well, this is the same calibre of trophy. It's not.
2: I agree. But it's still
0: important. It's yeah. an important trophy to win. And yeah. it meant a lot to them. And let's remember what this format is and why it's come about. Like this is a special year and perhaps it'll be the same next year. But this is a standalone thing in some ways. It's it's a new format and we've gotta treat it with that respect and not try and Construe it into something that's that's greater than it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like the the way they should be framing this is the wall the Brumbies have been strong, consistent for a long time, and it's that you know the culture down at the Brumbies and the the systems they've got that has got them to be the top of the Australian yeah. competition. And this is this is the the inaugural year of this Super Rugby AU, maybe the first and only year, but. You know the Brumbies were also the first to win the Super Rugby uh, competition in its in its format back then for an Australian team. Um, no surprises for me that they're also the first to win this one.
0: Yeah, and it's the same with the Crusaders one, the New Zealand version, um, recognised as the best team in New Zealand, and that's what it is. That's all it is. Um, you know whether we have these insular competitions next year and then they have a playoff. Like a, a champions playoff, yeah. yeah. Um, across the different nations, then you really know who's the best. But until then, you don't really have a a you know particularly good idea of who would win between say the Brumbies and the Crusaders. It Might be quite a close game. We just don't know. Absolutely. So we I already mentioned that Noah Lalesio
1: ended up with man of the match uh, for this game standout player. I think there, there are a couple of players on the Brumby side that probably could have got. I thought Banks had an exemplary match as well. Seems to have got back to his pinpoint, sort of kicking for touch in penalties, not afraid to go for the line, which I, I very much like to see. And they also announced the MVP of the Super Rugby AU. And it brings us to our own set of awards that we're going for. The MVP, as per... Um, Super Rugby was Taniella Tupo, but we have a whole set of award categories, guys, so welcome to the Running Rugby Awards for Super Rugby AU. (laughs) Alright, and so we have six awards to give out this evening. Um, We are going to let Uh, multiple uh, winners from each of us Um, and the first category is breakout player for Super Rugby AU 2020 and I'll go through Toby who is your nominee for breakout player
0: My nominee is Harry Wilson but now I'm rethinking it I'm thinking it could be Noah but I'm going to stick with Harry Wilson I think he's um, been pretty outstanding in, in a rookie year and Particularly in such a physical and demanding posi- uh, position as number eight is, um, and he's been selected in the Wallabies ahead of someone like Naisarani. So I think he's had a really standout breakout year.
1: Absolutely, Leo. Who is your breakout player for 2020?
2: I had I had a number of people who I thought had a pretty impressive year, whether they were rookies or or otherwise, just. You know really leading their team in their position, securing their starting spot. Um, maybe it's the beauty of the start of the four year cycle, we're seeing a lot more players uh, getting a run and after a bit of an exodus. But for me, the, the standout uh, among the group that I had in mind is Tom Horton. So, Waratah's hooker com- came from complete obscurity at the start of the season, uh, beat out Robbie Abel and any other contenders at the Waratah's, which you may not think is a whole lot, but when you go from being essentially a Sydney Uni, um, you know, shoot shield level player into the Waratahs and now is seen as the clear um, Waratahs top hooker and, and makes it into a Wallabies extended squad, like that's really impressive. He's, and I think he's actually, um, you know, he's, he's got quite good prospects going forward as well. Wide-ranging player, really involved um, in the back line, in attacking moves, showed some good skills, re- reeled in a couple of really wild passes that uh, had to be pulled in with one arm. Um, I think just, you know, lots lots more to see out of him and in the mould of a Dane Coles, quite quite skillful and, and quick in the hooking ranks.
1: And for myself, uh, we already sort of have sung his praises. It's a guy that, as Leo mentioned, the commentators have got hot on this year, I was trying to hype this guy up for the last couple of years um, because I saw something a little bit special. Um, Filippo Dalgunu definitely has broken onto the scene and has become a name that I think everyone uh, who watches Super Rugby now looks for and watches whenever he gets the balls because he's an excitement machine.
2: Yeah, between him and Tom Wright, like guys have emerged and are just dominant in their positions and showed a wide range of skills, maybe more so than we realised they had both done an incredible job in 2020.
1: The next category we have is comeback player of 2020. Someone who maybe was once great or has been away and returned to Super Rugby and has become a force once again. Leo, we'll start with you this time. Who is your comeback player for Super Rugby AU?
2: Uh, again, a player we've already spoken about, and I may get to pick him every year based on his uh, unfortunate run of injuries, but Jordan Pettire, um, just you know, until this weekend where he really looked like he was uh, in some real trouble injury-wise, has come back in. He's been brought back in gradually by Brad Thorne, brought in off the wing, back into outside centre. It's where we spoke of him. Really highly last year pre World Cup, and hope to see him um, playing there for the Wallabies in future. But you can just tell he's, he's a class above, and, and he's done so well to come back uh, into the game. It's so unfortunate he's picked up another injury now, um, but you know he's 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 come back with absolutely you know zero zero hang ups. Like he running running freely prior to this injury, just looked absolutely dominant.
1: For myself. Um, I wanted to put Pete Samu's name out there. Um, it's a guy we probably don't think of as having to come back, but he was left out of the Wallabies last year for the World Cup after what many would have said was an impressive Super Rugby season. Um, I think he's gone away, he's worked on his game, and if anything, he's got even better. Um, and he's he's absolutely put his name forward um, to... Whether it's at six, whether it's at seven, whether it's at eight, I think Rennie's looking at this guy um, with confidence that he can hold up under international pressure. So Pete Samu, welcome back to the Wallabies.
0: Toby, who's your selection here? Um, my my um, comeback player of the year has to be James O'Connor. I think he's, you know, we saw him last year, so There were some good things for the Wallabies, but in terms of a super rugby comeback, particularly where he's moved into a a somewhat unfamiliar position in recent years at 10, I think he's been outstanding. Um, And I think he's poised to actually take the first Wallabies game of the year at 10, which is a huge achievement, having not played there since 2013 against the Lions, where he performed actually quite well. Um, So I've been proud to see him really show consistent form across Super Rugby We know some of the transformations he's made off the field. He's changed his life in a lot of different aspects. He seems quite zen in the way he plays now, and he doesn't have that erratic nature to his game, which he fell foul of sometimes when he was a bit younger. Um, He's a really level-headed player. Um, He has a good all round game, and I think if given him the opportunity to the Wallabies again, um, I think he could lead that team around well. So. I'd definitely say the comeback is complete for James O'Connor.
1: Yeah, absolutely would agree with that completely. Our next category is defensive juggernaut. And I think there's a whole a whole skew of players that probably go unnoticed a lot of the time um, that you could label as defensive juggernauts. They're not just the people that put on the massive hits. Uh, they're the people that make all their tackles every week and they really hold up the defensive line. And for myself, I had to give it to the Brumbies' captain, Alan Alalatoa. Um, I just don't think we see how much that guy does and how inspirational he is for that Brumbies' pack. I think there's a reason um, that he's a captain there and there's a reason that um, forward pack has been so successful. So,
0: Alan Alalatoa. Toby? Um, Look, I had a tough go with this one. I think it's it's difficult because um, for a juggernaut, you really want that impact on the game. And I think Lachlan Swinton had that across three or four games of this season. Um, so I'm going to go with him, I think. And that's for potential going forward, I think, for the Wallabies. If he's given um, an opportunity at six, for example, or coming off the bench, I think he could really make an impact. So that's my, my candidate at the moment. I think that it could be given to a number of people. I think someone like Liam Wright even is deserving in terms of his defensive prowess, but he probably doesn't have as much of a potent impact in terms of contact. He's just more consistent across the park. But Swinton noticeably would put on those hits week to week. Um, And I think for him, he's come a long way this year and, and hoping to see more good things from him going forward. What about you,
1: Leo, defensive juggernaut?
2: I might have gone the slightly more blunt end of this stick, but I'm picking Taniella. So the Super Rugby AU MVP, uh, the contact he made with in some of these games was enormous. And whether it was just flattening a guy before he could throw the pass um, to outflank his, his wingers versus, you know, his pilfering the ball. Like, he wasn't always just making crashing tackles. Like, he did steal the ball on the line a couple of times at crucial points for the Reds. I think against the Rebels once, and possibly against the Force another time. Um, you know, again another player who's rounding at his game, playing a lot of minutes, um, doesn't always doesn't always hit, but when he hits, it's a highlight package.
1: Absolutely, definitely, definitely made made some highlights throughout this um, competition in attack and defence. The next is a bit downer here. Our bust, our bust for twenty twenty. Leo, who is your bust for 2020 in Super Rugby?
2: So someone we heard a lot about at the start of the season and, and had been hyped up a whole lot um, was Mark, Marky Mark, as the, as the commentators called him, Mark Nwanganitawasi. And this is a guy who certainly looked the part first game of the season. Um, I think he had that diving try in the corner, really athletic, obviously naturally gifted, um, but has just disappeared through this season, I, I don't think there was any significant injury, even after that horrible landed-on-his-head moment. Um, you know, he, he bounced back, but he's just been outplayed and um, done out by people like James Ram, another, another potential breakout candidate. Um, really well-rounded game, really consistent, um, maybe not quite as flashy as Nguyen and Twasi, but um, yeah, between Newsom and, and James Ram, couldn't get this guy back on the field. So for me, after all the all the hype coming out of the commentary box. Uh, unfortunately, Marky Mark is a bust.
1: Oof, that's a tough one. Toby, what about you? Who's your bust player for 2020?
0: Um, another TARS player, which I think he didn't receive as much hype, perhaps, you know, before the season. But he was, you know, still a, a big signing at the time, given his history in NRL. I think Tepe Maroa has been relatively disappointing with the opportunities being given. And granted, he, he was probably given less opportunity than no one going to need to ask, say, overall. But I think the fact that he wasn't able to make his way into that 23 as often as we probably thought he would, um, and he was touted as someone who could fill in at centre um, and bring some experience to that position, um, even though, you know, he's, his schoolboy days he played some rugby, but, you know, obviously the last 5, 10 years he's been in NRL, so... It's um it's a tough ask coming into either 12 or 13 at Super Rugby level, and I think it was probably a bridge too far for him overall. So I'd be interested to see whether he's around next year. Um, but again, it's it's probably a good representation of the Tars picking NRL recruits that perhaps aren't quite ready. We saw it with John Folau. Um we see it here again, and it's it's been that way over the history of the Waratahs last 20 years. Nathan Blacklock, Tamana Tahu list goes on. Um, I'm just, you know, I wonder who will be next, really. Um, But, yeah, a little bit disappointed with him. I I thought he could bring a lot more, and maybe he's more of a back rower than a centre, but I'm not sure we'll ever really get to see that.
1: And for myself, um, I wanted to pick a few names here, but much to my chagrin, um, all these players seem to have got named in the Wallabies squads that, I wanted to pick people like Ponale Famasili, who had a couple of highlights sort of games and then fell off out of completely out of the squad um I I do believe in um people like Marky Mark Namwangu Whitney Tawasi, definitely a bus here but I'm going to have to go a little bit political and say Isaac Rodder he's he's busted for super rugby for Australian rugby um to leave in the way he did um he's put a black mark i think against his name and he's gonna he's made it very hard for himself um to come back in at this stage because there's now so many great locks as we said before that are overseas that you'd bring back before him so i think the way rotter left it for me makes him a bust for 2020 our second last category, and probably the most difficult category to pick, uh, the best ref in Super Rugby AU. I know it's it's not someone, it's not a pe- people that we give a lot of um, praise to, but we, we should give a little bit of hype to the guys that um, the people that have done well in this role this year.
2: So I, I'm going to go first and say I think Amy Parrott has done a really good job. Uh, Obviously, she's been rewarded through the season with her first um, sort of primary ref on the field uh, this year, which, you know, credit to her. She's spent a lot of time working a lot way along the sidelines and and being a really uh, talented assistant ref, making good calls. She's quite a good communicator. She's When we talk about Angus Gardner being a clear communicator, but sometimes a bit (laughs) an over-communicator perhaps, uh, I thought when she did take control in, in that one game this season, she was uh, sort of hit the right balance of discussing things with the assistant refs and just making a clear decision, didn't drag it on, didn't turn into a school teacher and didn't make a whole heap of uh, really horrible hashed calls. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give my vote to Amy Perrett this season. I hope we see more of her next year.
0: Yeah, I would I would endorse that. And I think that's a milestone for Super Rugby. Um, particularly in Australia. And I think overall the, the refereeing I haven't been overly impressed with. There's been at times with Nick Nick Berry, um, you know, just frustration. Um, who's the other guy, Dermot? Been, you know, ended my tether with him as well at times. And I think, you know, for someone to step up in you now it's the same as a female jockey in the Melbourne Cup. It's it's a big thing. And I think um for her Hopefully that leads to, you know, the opportunity to coach. Oh, uh, sorry, to to referee at an international level as well, because I think she she'd be up to it.
1: Absolutely, and it's always um, nice to see. I think I only saw two weeks ago that the UK were having their first female sort of line judge um, in an official match for the Premiership there. So it means that Australia is sort of charging ahead um, with this, which is which is great to see. I do have to give props, though. If there's one ref that I'd choose um, out of the refs that were available in Super Rugby, you, I'm still going to choose Angus Gardner overall. Um, he is still a class above the rest, and it, it makes sense why he's uh, the international ref um, he's known to be and why he gets the big games, whether it's uh, in the Rugby Championship, Les Cup, or in the Six Nations. Um, so Angus Gardner there. But we'll move on to the final category, and I know this is the one everyone wants to hear. Uh, We already touted, um, Taniella did win this award uh, officially, according to Super Rugby AU, but it, it doesn't really matter unless it's the Running Rugby Podcast MVP of Super Rugby AU. And we'll go to you, Leo, first. Who is your MVP?
2: So I don't think this would surprise anyone. Um, massive raps on him all season, not just as a player, uh, not just in his position as being a dominant open side flanker, but also as a leader. Uh, Liam Wright, for what, who is a really young player, spoke really well after the game, you know, did all, did all the things you'd expect a captain to do, thank the players, thank the sponsors, thank the support, thank the fans. Um, but just the, just the comments and the analysis out of him, um reflecting on good good wins and and also some unfortunate defeats uh i think he's just a really intelligent player and i honestly think he he's got the the chops to be the number 7 in this wallabies squad in a in a new form back row uh so he's my mvp he's all-round player and he's a great leader
1: absolutely congrats leam right it was very magnanimous in the um post match interview there true sign of a uh, a great captain and a great leader there and there's definitely more leadership roles for him to come. Toby, who is your MVP?
0: Um, quite a difficult one as well, I think. There's, there's plenty of guys that you could nominate um, for this award and I think Taniella has taken his game to another level. He's playing 80 minutes consistently. He's making impact throughout the game. It's not just a case of having a strong first half and then just getting through the game He's really making an impact at all times throughout the you know, set piece, um, just in general play. He's making breaks, he's throwing great passes. And yeah, I just think he's a complete player and I think he's an automatic selection at tight head for the Wallabies now. I think he's one of the first players you should be picking. Um, and yeah, if he can keep that fitness, that health up, I think you go from strength to strength in this international season. I think he's really going to give the All Blacks a bit of a shock in the first couple of games.
1: Absolutely, and it will be interesting to see if he he has actually locked down that jersey in Dave Rennie's eyes as well. I'm I'm sticking with the trend here, and we're all going Queenslanders, which is interesting to see. the just whether that's just a comment on our own biases, but for me, um, Toby, it's who you had as your comeback player, James O'Connor. Um, I think everything. I echo everything you said about him in terms of the maturity and the leadership that he's sort of grown into and brought into that team after being away. Um, And that team doesn't succeed if he's not there. Um, He completely orchestrates a lot of their attack and motivates a lot of that team in the back line, I think very similar to the way that Liam Wright does in the forwards. But there you go, guys. That's the first ever Super Rugby AU Running Rugby Podcast Awards. Any honourable mentions?
2: Honourable mention for MVP to Tate McDermott, just to stack on with the Reds' love. Um, G's come a long way this season, like just shown out um, really, really intelligent decision-making. Uh, can't wait to see him in Wallaby's goal.
1: And probably do have to give an honourable mention for Matt Tamar, as much as we... Um, downplay his importance there's no way the rebels would have been where they were in that qualifying final uh, without him there to to help guide them along so there have been a few other developments uh around the world um we talked about sort of this possibility of like an australian green versus australian gold um match sort of coming up and whether we could do even a fantasy draft and South African Rugby Union must have been listening because that's actually exactly what they are doing. They have created, uh, they are going to play warm up games with Springbok Gold and Springbok Green, um, with splitting up their coaching staff and holding a draft um, with a group, a huge group of sort of eligible players involving a huge amount of rookies uh, to play some trial matches to, to properly get into a rugby season. Uh, for all these South African-based players who haven't actually been able to take the field and get some actual mat fi- match fitness.
0: Yeah, and hopefully this you know, shows the Wallabies what they can do with that model. Um, it's just a shame that we've been beaten to it by the South Africans, particularly when they've had no rugby really being played the last six months. Um, they were able to get their act together with this I think we should be doing a, a similar thing as we've talked about. But obviously, um, you know, it's probably not going to happen this year maybe with the timing of things. I know that they talk about Australia coming in maybe to play some warm-up warm up games with the Pumas if they get here or even the Springboks. But, you know, it's going to be exciting. I think it's, we can, it's something we can learn off as well by observing the way they do things, what they do well and what they do badly um, because it is a new thing. But I think it's, it's definitely entertaining, and it should really show, I think, um, you know what kind of depth South African rugby has at the moment.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think it's, if the Wallabies can put on a good show in a similar type of arrangement, a uh, similar type of match, then it just speaks to the depth. And, and that's the only thing we have now, and I think you want to foster um, through more games like this, not just through Super Rugby, give them a bridge. To the to the international calendar, uh, give them a chance to play against each other, and give the coaches a chance to try things rather than trying the first or second game of a of a series that you ultimately um, then can't compete in if you've if you've um, gone out on a limb and it hasn't worked.
1: Well, we may leave it there this week. Uh, we'll have a week off before we get warmed up for the Bledisloe game that's coming uh, to us based in Wellington, on the 11th of October. Uh, We should hopefully see a little bit more uh, with the Wallabies travelling over to quarantine in New Zealand. Um, For all those updates, make sure you are keeping a close eye on our social media, at Instagram and on Twitter, at Running Rugby Podcast and at Running Rugby Pod, respectively. It'll be a weird weekend, not having any rugby to to watch this weekend. It's been a great holiday back from the reality of 2020, but now it's time to get hyped for internationals, Bledisloe, and then the rugby championship. And I can't wait. Keyboard running.
0: <laughs> Run.
2: hello Taff is this a butt dial yes this is a butt dial (laughs) Taff can you hear me from your butt pocket hello
1: I think I just found out how we're going to end the show